contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. Welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. My name is Brad Hebner, and I will guide you on your journey to mastery of your construction business. You can find Hammer and Grind on all the social media platforms. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast. Now, if you're looking for more help, you can check out our free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Group. I do free trainings in there, and it's a great community to be a part of. Now, if you're serious about making more money, saving more time, and creating a business that supports your lifestyle, check out my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. I've put together a proven system for creating a winning business. Now, listen, I'm so confident that you will succeed in my program. I'm now offering a 10x ROI guarantee. That means if you don't make at least a 10x return on your investment within a 12-month period, I will refund you the full amount. You can find out more information about The Profit Club at hammeringgrind.com forward slash The Profit Club. All right. On this podcast, guys, we're going to be talking with Stefan Foos. He is the chief product officer at Prodigal and has eight years experience in operation management of small to medium-sized construction companies. He has a desire to provide tools to small to medium-sized contractors that will help them be successful in one of the toughest industries there is. You guys know it as construction. Uh, Stefan, thanks for jumping on here today. We're going to be talking really about not just software per se, but how software and construction go hand in hand. Is that is that fair? Fair statement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today to talk about this. Why don't you start with just give us a little background about yourself, kind of how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So I started in a uh, that must have been a three person construction company, uh, Tile Niche. We did tile service and tile inst- installation work for about a year. After that, I jumped over to a, a new startup with a lot of people I work with today, even at Prodigal, where we started the same thing. It was a tile-specific venture, later took on bathroom remodels, kitchen remodels. Did that for seven or eight years, realized that our growth could only be scaled through software, couldn't find any viable solutions on the market, so we decided to create our own. We grew quickly. We started when I started, I was the first full-time hire there. The company was making about eleven grand a month, and uh, by the time we closed our doors about a year ago, we were just pushing five million a year. So we grew quick and experienced a lot of the uh, the headache and even heartache along the way that I'm sure uh, you can speak to too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, you definitely need to have software and, and systems in place to scale. But even if you're not going to scale, I mean, it's still like it, I, I always call it as like technology in general, I call it like a force multiplier, right? Like when you use technology, Mm -hmm. you can get more stuff done than if you don't use technology. Would you agree with that? Definitely. And I think that this is, this is an industry too, that I think is, is relatively just coming around to technology, really. I mean, I'm surprised just my day-to-day conversations, how many people I talk with that are still using pencils and paper and folders. And not only is that not scalable, but, you know, consider, I mean, I don't know about you, but so many times we've had folders left on site, you know, that customers are seeing what our actual costs are. Employees are seeing what we're charging customers. I mean, it's a nightmare across the board. And it's just, 
it's not realistic to to scale at least quickly. You know, you're you're definitely putting a just an unnecessary handicap on on yourself compared to a lot of your your competitors out there. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I I can't tell you how many times you know you leave the material list sitting on your desk and you drive 45 minutes to the store and you're mm-hmm. like, oh crap. You know, I mean, like something just as simple as having that on a digital format. You know, that totally changes everything. I can't tell you how many different micro systems I've tried with, you know, journals, uh, notebooks, OneNote, laptops, tablets, like just trying to figure out a way to centralize all this information and then have it mm-hmm. accessible, you know, everywhere I'm at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I used to have crazy. these big dry erase boards, of my schedule, and, you know, I'd live 45 minutes from the office. So if I didn't take a picture that evening, you know, I was making an hour and a half return trip in the middle of the night. If I forgot to give somebody, you know, their work order, let them know what it is they're doing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have a huge dry erase board. You can see it. The, if you're listening, you can't see it, but that's really just for ideas, right? That's yeah. not for, uh, I don't have my material list written there that I need at the <laughs> store. So yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's there's really two categories of contractors, and you you tell me what you think on this. I, you have the ones like you said that are the, you know, the paper pencil pushers, and then you have people they use technology, and maybe they're looking for a better solution. Would you agree? Yeah. That's kind of the two the two types of contractors you guys deal with. I would agree. I have a lot of people I talk with that are kind of misinformed too about what it is they're looking for. For example, I have a lot of people that I'm looking for a CRM. Well, if you're looking for a CRM, you know, there's Salesforce and there's HubSpot. But that that word gets thrown around a lot with people thinking like, hey, there's some some mystical software out there that is CRM and that's what I need. And it's interesting talking with people that A, don't know what they need and B, are, are looking for a solution that, that really doesn't exist right now. Really, you know, what we're looking for is, is construction management software, right? As a CRM is going to be something like, we have a CRM at Progel and it takes, I've got two guys dedicated to just maintaining that system with workflows and ifs and thens and automated emails and text messages and this whole thing that goes into it. it it's kind of a nightmare, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you have people that are, are totally coming from almost the stone age with, you know, folders and, and sticky notes and all that. Um, and then you have others that they've heard they know there's something out there. There's a CRM. What is that? I'm going to go venture out and look and, and try and find what that is. And the difficulty in that too, is there's so many different solutions that are all answering different pain points. So yeah, I, I'd say that you're, you're on track with that. Definitely two different types uh, that we run into on a day to day. And I, I do want to get more into some of the things that you that you see and come across. But what I've noticed is like, so when you're going from paper to digital, like that usually is the biggest jump, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's a different scenario than if you're already using a CRM or, or a project management software now and you're looking for something different that maybe has more features or, you know, solves a certain problem that your current one doesn't solve. I mean, that's kind of a different jump. So Speaking to like the ones that go from paper to digital, what would you say? And I'm curious because you, you you have this interaction and your 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 business has this interaction with contractors. Like, what's the biggest struggle or roadblock that you see that contractors go from paper to digital for the first time? The biggest roadblock is definitely the implementation. Getting everybody on the team 
okay with actually switching systems because they do have a system in place and it's it's got them to the point that they are today and that's fine. But we we have a struggle a lot with people that are coming from pen and paper, kind of wrapping their head around, hey, how do I get this all on my phone, my computer, it's accessible by everybody. And we'll usually experience there's, you know, a person or two on the team that has a lot of pushback, that doesn't want software, that doesn't want to be, I'd say a kind of a fair statement here is almost held accountable without really saying that, I suppose. I mean, with software comes certain things. You can clearly see where people have progressed in certain areas or haven't. You know, one of the things that led us to looking for software in the beginning is we had a project manager that he was taking on more of our larger projects. He was overseeing, you know, our additions and stuff like that. And I could not figure out for the life of me, why were we not selling what we were supposed to during our busy time of year? And it turns out that he just had a huge stack of file folders from, you know, customers he had gone out with and met, but the estimates were going to take too long. So they got put on the back burner. And then two months down the road, we're sitting here when we should be busy and not. And the reason for that was because all these folders were kind of put aside. There was no transparent accountability. And incidentally, that was also an individual that had a lot of pushback when we were adopting a system that had this, this accountability built in and even quit, you know, just not wanting to do that, which I understand why now, (laughs) you know, there's definitely people on the team that are not going to want that level of transparency and are going to push back. Would you, how much of it though is like just, you you hear people like, oh, I'm not technology savvy. Like I don't, you know, I don't even have a computer or whatever. Like how much of that do you come across? I mean, we come across that every, so usually there's concern for the, the guys in the field. You know, they don't use software. They're not going to want to use software. They're not going to know how to use software. But generally these individuals are still on, you know, Facebook and have apps on their phone that they're dorking around with throughout the day. So I think that there is a a concern there that I'm sure it's justified in a lot of cases, but I I think sometimes it's just an unnecessary concern. It's not that complex, maybe compared to other things, I'm not sure, but it's, it's something that there is some pullback and some fear from. But I think usually, you know, once people actually get fully onboarded in whatever it is, project or otherwise, it just becomes part of the routine uh, and it becomes simple and easy to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just like any other any other thing. Like, if you got to yeah. learn how to use a new power tool, right? right? Like, there's a learning curve there that has to happen, and then once you use it, and then you get better at it. So, you know, then you have the <laughs> you have the the contractors that are like, "Oh, I'm not for technology because they're spying on me, and the government yeah. will know everything I'm doing." <laughs> you yep, ever run yep. across those those types yep. of people? Plenty. Yep, yep. I get that all the time. <laughs> it's like, listen, they already know everything about you, like, right? The government yeah. already has a file folder on you and knows everything about you. So it ain't, it's not really going to matter. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be too concerned about, you know, whether or not you arrived to your estimate meeting a minute late or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point. So what about like, I mean, obviously with your software and many others, there's GPS tracking and like location tracking and stuff. What about like the employees, the field guys that kind of feel like big brother? Have you seen any of that kind of pushback or any thoughts on that? Yeah, we have. Um, at the end of the day, the location tracking is determined by the individual uh, app stores, right? So Apple and Google, they make the decision. They're held to rules from the federal government, right? So when you download an app that tracks your location, regardless of what the app is, there's always three prompts for you, you know, or I guess one prompt with three options. You're told that this app uses your location data and is tracking you. And then you have three options, either always allow, only allow while using the app or never allow. 
So at the end of the day, and that's what I tell people all the time, I mean, it's up to that individual that's downloading the app to select uh, and make a decision on that. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that the app store can do. Really, there's nothing they can do other than enforce, hey, if we can't see your time logs, then we can't pay you. So that that can be a little tricky. I think that uh, over time, though, it's it's become an easier pill to swallow just because, you know, there's 10 apps on your phone right now that are tracking you that we've forgotten about. You know, even just the stuff that you download, the find my devices and, you know, whatever. But it's it's definitely something that I, I encountered more uh, resistance to in the beginning a few years back. And now it's it's never even asked about, which is interesting. It's a unique dynamic because I remember this was probably, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe, maybe when I first kind of started, people didn't want to give out their email, mm-hmm. right? They were afraid they were going to get spammed and like their email had some kind of connection to their bank account or something and people yeah. <laughs> were going to find out everything about them. So like they were really hesitant about giving out their email. And one thing I always did with my clients when I was, you know, asking their information was, I just simply said it as if it was a matter of fact, like if I was asking for your address, your phone number with confidence mm-hmm. and like, this is just normal. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people, when you're implementing that type of technology in your, in your teams, it's like, Hey, this is normal. Like, this is just what it is. If, I mean, ultimately if you want to work here, like yeah. that's, you're going to have to turn it on. But you know, I did want to make a, a distinction. I'm not for, GPS on your for your employees just for the purpose of tracking everywhere they go. Right. right? I like mm-hmm. it simply for if there's if something happens, if there is a miscommunication, if there is an accident or something and we needed to look at it, we can go back and we have that information. Right. Right. Like I'm not at the end of the day looking at every one of my employees and checking out their GPS stamps and seeing, you know, why was why was Billy stopping at the gas station for 10 minutes and like I I don't know. I don't know very many uh, business owners in construction that have time to do that kind of crap. Right, the time or the desire. I mean, in my opinion, what I love most about having that type of system in place is every morning, where are my guys at? Who's there? Who's not? You know, there's nothing more uncomfortable than getting a phone call. Hey, I'm I'm running late to this job. Well, you're supposed to be there half an hour ago. Why are you calling me now? Why can we not be proactive in this? <laughs> you know? So I, I definitely like it for some of those like day to day. Okay. It's 8 a.m. right now. I should have 15 guys out on site. I only see eight people clocked in. What is going on? You know, and, and again, have that proactive approach in calling our worker, calling the customer, letting them know about the traffic or whatever it is, and just maintaining that control because the second that you slip on a job site and the customer doesn't trust you anymore for any capacity, it becomes harder and harder to manage that customer. And arguably, my opinion, managing the customer is probably more important than even managing the project. You can't have a project that goes south, but if the customer is managed along the way and the expectations are continuously set and you're staying true to your word, it's going to go a lot better, right? So to start a project and to be late the very first day without a proactive response to it is really setting you up for failure for the rest of the job, in my opinion. Absolutely. I was just talking about this yesterday on, on a coaching call. You know, the, the expectation, and it really comes down to effective communication. Like yeah. literally, that's the, the, the core of everything that we do in the service side of our business is, and even with our employees, is a communication. Right. So like you said, knowing if, you know, your guys aren't getting there or, you know, being able to see where they're at, like being able to proactively say, hey, 
I know we told you're going to be there at eight, but we had a little issue. Now it's going to be eight thirty. Yeah. Right. So that that's where technology can help out with that. What do you see as the biggest benefit to the guys that go from pen and paper to to digital? Like from your end, what do you mm-hmm. see as like the biggest benefit to their business? It's definitely the ability to scale. People are getting more time back. They're more efficient. And I, I would say the number one thing is it's easier than ever to truly understand your numbers. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to a lot of people that have been in the business for five years, 10 years, 15 years that haven't even delved into job costing. And I understand why. It's a big pain in the butt, especially if you're using QuickBooks or something like that. But it's surprising to me, but it's not because this this industry has the highest failure rate. But it is surprising how many people just don't reconcile. If I expected this job to cost me 10 grand, but it cost me 15 grand, why? And what can I do next time to ensure that that doesn't happen again and we hit our numbers? A lot of the people I talk to, small to medium-sized construction companies, a lot of that is if if we're not knowing our numbers and we're not charging appropriately or estimating as we should be, that money is still being spent. It's coming from somewhere. We're not going to leave a job uncompleted because we didn't charge enough. And where does that come from? It really, I mean, you can directly trace that back to just robbing from your own family, basically, to pay for that job to finish it. And I've been there. I mean, we've done jobs where at the end of the job, it would have been less expensive to have never taken on that project, you know, and just not done it. You know, at the end of the day, we spent five grand to finish this job. And now not only did we spend that money to finish the job, but now we're held accountable for the next year. And any callbacks, we need to to go out there. And we're all at the mercy of Yelp and Google reviews and everything else. But anyway, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. But yeah, the the ability to really grasp and understand what are my numbers? Where do I need to be? What mistakes did I make? And how can I address that for next time to not make that same mistake twice? Yeah, well, you're speaking my love language right now. So don't get me started on job costing (laughs) because... I mean, that's like the biggest thing I preach is job costing. I didn't do it for like the first nine years of being in business. Yeah. And we didn't do it either for several years, too. I didn't even know what it was. And when I started doing it, I looked back and I was like, I cheated myself out of hundreds of thousands of dollars and didn't yeah, even realize easily. Easily. Yeah. When when we first started, you know, it was, well, what do we charge? So we went to like HomeWise and we looked at these market rates and stuff yeah. like that. And again, at our at our core, we started as a tile company. So we were charging six bucks a square foot to install a floor or something. But after job costing, after understanding our numbers, I mean, that $6 a square foot for installing a floor became 20 to 30, depending on the size of the floor. And guess what? We were still selling, but we were actually making money this time and not just every payday scrambling. How are we going to make it work? I don't know. We blew it all because we underbid the job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so having that information at your fingertips is super critical to be able to to go back, like you said, and look at it. Because then, yeah. you know, one thing that's big, and we talked about this in the Profit Club, is you have productive time and non-productive time, mm-hmm. right? And so what a lot of contractors will do is they'll say, look at a job and they'll say, okay, this job's going to take five days, like 40 man hours. Let's make it yeah. simple. I've got one guy, he's going to be there for 40 hours to do the work. But what we don't do a lot of times is take into consideration the non-productive times, whether it's drive time, whether it's set up, you know, set up and tear down of tool time, whether it's talking with the customer, answering questions. And what ends up happening is, yeah, the job, like the actual time on the hammer takes 40 hours, but you have another eight hours of non-productive time. 
Yeah. So when you bid that job for five days, you know, 40 man hours, mm-hmm. you end up spending six days on that job, right? Because of non-productive time. Yeah. And if you're not, if you don't have a way to track that information, you're never going to know that. And you're, you're just, you're going to do that every single job that you bid. Yeah. Right. And so having like timesheets, having, you know, being able to break down and see, you know, where my guys are spending their time, why, you know, you had 48 hours on this job. We only bid it for 40. What happened? Mm-hmm. And they may say, well, I don't know. I, you know, I, I did the work because they're not yeah. tracking how long they're talking to clients. They're not really tracking drive time and thinking about that stuff. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, having, having a system that you can track your time and even, I mean, you and I have had conversations about adding extra options on the time because of me wanting to drive down even deeper, like what we're doing, like drive mm-hmm. time or meeting time or whatever, and, and being able to track all that. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And I talk to a lot of people about that too, because I still give a, a good number of demos every day. So I'm meeting a lot of small business owners and managers, operations and uh, general managers generally. But it's it's shocking to me the resistance because most people I talk to, they're doing a simple model of cost plus a markup. And I think you kind of subscribe to the same philosophy of, hey, at minimum, we need to double. If this costs me 100 bucks, I sell it for 200 And I tell people that all the time. And I get a lot of uh, pushback on that. Well, what about materials? I only put 10% on it. Like, what is that 10% going to do when you have to run to Home Depot 15 times and maybe multiple Home Depots? During transit, you're responsible for that material. When you get out on site and find out you got the wrong size, whatever, you need to run back and grab that again. All the while, we're burning up hours on the job, too, that we should have been productive with the materials that should have been there, but weren't for some reason. It's it's crazy to me. But I understand, too, because we did that for several years. There's a lot of hesitancy there. I think a lot of it is because they're overwhelmed especially mm-hmm. right now with labor shortages and, 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 uh, you know, demand, like demand super high labor, super low. Like it's this perfect storm of being overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it's hard for a lot of contractors to grasp. If you charge more money, you actually don't have to work as much. Mm-hmm. And so everything slows down, right? We get yeah. caught in this. We have to work 80 hours a week because people are demanding time. You know, they want to, they have a, a schedule they want to stick to, a deadline, all these things. And it's like, you know, I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, no, 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 slow down, charge what you're supposed to, what you need to. And now you don't have to do 50 jobs a year. Now you can do 30 jobs a year and make the same amount of money or more. Yeah. Well, it's and a, interesting. a lot easier to manage 30 jobs than it is 50. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but in the, in the beginning too, when we priced our projects, competitively the type of customers we got were impossible to please it was impossible to get off the job nobody was happy everybody's miserable there's always money that's being withheld but just enough not to make it worth going through any sort of legal action for it but raising your prices puts you into a new ballpark with different customers who are actually happy that you're there (laughs) you know they're paying when asked they're keeping up with their progress payments and just genuinely everyone is having a a better time out there from the the guys in the field to the workers in the office and even the customers you can tell too it's very very interesting it's hard for a lot of guys that are when they're when you're brand new you know you're just trying to get jobs right right jobs yeah if the homeless guy had a job you would be doing work for him Um, yeah because you just need money coming in but the problem is we never shift 
Mm-hmm. We never make a shift after we get established of like, maybe I need to get better clients. And so, like you said, when you raise your prices, uh, it does bring better clientele. I yeah. mean, I've had, I've, I remember like fighting to get payments out of clients, you know, different milestone payments. It's like, Hey, I need to get a check from you. Oh, okay. Well, I left my checkbook at home or whatever, mm-hmm. like just different things taking two weeks and then you up your prices and you get into this higher, you know, clientele, you know, I've, I've had opportunity or times where I totally forget about collecting a check. So I'm yeah. busy thinking about something else, but I, I establish it early on. Like, Hey, this is our payment schedule. After we do this, I collect this much, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you walk in the door and they go, Hey Brad, the checks are on the counter in there. And I'm like, what the check for what? Oh, it's yeah. the, it's a progress payment. You know, after you said, after we do this, well, I got to pay you like, like that's a totally different type of customer altogether. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, keep in mind too the the average construction company or residential remodeler is operating on a profit margin of three to eight percent. So there's not a lot of room for error, especially in having payments delayed, because we all know like we get ten grand in and that feels good for four seconds, and then <laughs> ten thousand two hundred goes right out. <laughs> you know, somehow every time. Yeah, I've I've got some videos and stuff on cash flow. Uh, I call it the four C's of cash flow. But yeah, I mean, you got to get your money up front. You should never be you should never be fronting the the project or financing the project. Uh, You should always be it should always be a lag type thing. They pay you money first, you deliver the goods. So yeah, what about on? um, Is there anything that in in regards to the project management side that you run across that like sticks out like just maybe the people that are coming from pen and paper to go on a digital, like that they may not even consider maybe a benefit or something like that. Well, one of the interesting trends I'm seeing, especially as the younger generations are starting to take over is a totally different take and almost lack of field management. So actually managing our workers, a lot of people are, I don't know if it's just scared to do so, don't know how to do so. But I encounter this a lot of a fear of disturbing the field workers and what it is they're used to in the conversations they're used to having. And I think that adopting a software that allows the software to be the bully helps with this this lack of management understanding, if you will. And that that benefits a lot because suddenly you don't have a, a manager, super, whoever, that's the bad guy. It's the software. The software is clocking you in and clocking you out, keeping track of you know where you've been and where you're going and allowing the management to actually reconcile and only have the hard conversations in and when they're necessary, I guess. But having that tool and, and having something to be able to, to understand without, I don't, I don't know, I guess harassing almost the workers about where you've been and where you're going and what you're doing, just having that third party that is not even a person be able to handle that day-to-day communication almost, if you get what I'm saying, that helps tremendously. It helps with just the uncomfortable conversations, the organizations for the day-to-day, and especially helps just you know, make make the day-to-day more efficient too in, in setting the expectations. Just like we want to set the expectations with our customers, we also need to be setting the expectations with our workers. So here's what's happening today and tomorrow, and here's where we need to be. Otherwise, we're going to have problems down the road with the rest of the schedule, right? I remember one time I had a, uh, he was my lead guy, and he liked to go to lunch with his wife, you know, a lot of times, which I didn't, I didn't care. I, my policy was, I don't really care how long lunch you take. It, but if you take an hour and a half lunch, you're just working an hour and a half later in the day, right? Like, right. Or whatever. 
but I like he did a job one day and he was going across town and it like took forever. Like where and I didn't I was like the customer. I thought he was going to be there by a certain time. He was like 30, 40 minutes later. And I that's so why I pull up the GPS. And mm-hmm. sure enough, he had drove like almost halfway across town to meet his wife for lunch mm-hmm. and then went to the other job site. And like thinking about it, it may not seem like it's that much out of the way or that was that much time. But I was able to like print out the the map, the GPS, mm-hmm. and like see, like show the location and be like, dude, I don't care if you go have lunch with your with your wife, but you can't drive twenty minutes across town the opposite direction. Right. You know, in the company truck. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm paying for gas and all that in time, like and then going back across town the other direction. And so visually and you know, and he just didn't realize like how far out of the way that he was going. Right. Yeah. And so even yeah, even like that, stress. it was a good. I mean, it, even like from the management of the field employee, and I wasn't like upset about it. I was just like, "All right, man, you know, can't really do this." But I yeah. was able to like show him because I had the information. If yeah. I didn't have that GPS tracking and be able to have that information, I wouldn't have been. I've been like, "Hey, why'd you drive across town?" And you wouldn't have that be able to have that data, if you will, to show visually what's happening. Right. And then take that to the finances too. You know, hey, we actually lost money on this job. That's a hard concept for people to really wrap their head around. What do you mean I lost money on this job? I charged 20 grand for it. Here's yeah. the numbers. Here's exactly what you lost and where you lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Inefficiencies, right? I, yep. I did a job one time and I was this is right after I started doing job costing. And like one of the very first jobs I did, it was a bathroom remodel. It was the, the job was about 45 minutes away, one, one direction. And when the job got done, I was like, we were like 30 man hours over what, and I'm like, what, how is this possible? Like I put extra time in there. And then I look at the receipts because I keep the manual receipts and I had 25 receipts from Lowe's. Yeah, that sounds right. That's 25 (laughs) trips, right? right? And at 45 minutes, one way, hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like holy crap, like we need, we got to do a better job of managing our materials or, you know, what's going on here. And so that, that alone, like knowing, like having that information, Mm -hmm. like totally changed everything just on that one job. Yeah. Yeah. Just that better preparation for sure. Yeah. But if you're not going back and if you don't have any data to show what's going on, if you don't have, if you're not tracking time, if you're not tracking uh, resources, if you're not tracking materials, you won't know. Like mm-hmm. in your mind, you will think you only went to the store five times. Right. In reality, you went 25 times. And then multiply that across 10 active projects you have going right now. Yeah. It's easy to look at job, you know, companies and say, well, I know why you're not making any money. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> for one, you're not charging enough. And right. two, you're, you're, you don't have very good efficiencies or processes in place. So mm-hmm. what do you say is the three biggest, in terms of project management, if someone's mm-hmm. going from pen and paper to, to technology, what are the three biggest features that you see that are the most beneficial? Scheduling for one. I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to where scheduling is all just run in someone's head. And that's fine when you're an owner operator out there. But you need to know that things are going to move on if you walk outside and get hit by a car or something, (laughs) right? People need to be able to understand what the next step is for multiple reasons. One, how do we communicate this to the customer? Two, how do we identify if we're going to be sliding on our our schedules? 
And three, if we're sliding on the schedules, how are we going to actually be uh, accommodating the rest of the schedules that we have? We don't just do one job and that's it. We don't do another job for six months. We're always going. So scheduling is huge. The time tracking is huge too. I mean, for all the reasons that we've already talked about so far. Personally, we used to have paper time tracking it was hours for a bookkeeper just to track everyone down to get these handwritten time track logs that were thought of right then and there. So what happens is, and it doesn't even have to be malicious, but just what happens is a guy gets out on site at 8.05 and he rounds down to 8 o'clock and then he leaves five minutes early and rounds up and there's 10 minutes lost multiplied by the wage, multiplied by every single day and by the number of workers that you have, there's a substantial material loss there in wages that we're paying that we are not charging for. So being able to reconcile that again is huge. For us, our payroll was about 40 grand every two weeks, right around there, 40 grand mark. And when we switched to actual time tracking, incidentally, it dropped down to about 36, 37 in there, just immediate savings. So scheduling, time tracking, and then the the to-do lists, you know, to-dos, um, tasks, whatever you want to call them, just setting our workers up for success. I mean, I've had calls where, you know, I've got a guy that lives an hour and a half away from wherever he's working that morning. He gets out there. He had an understanding that he was doing one scope of work, but he gets out there. It's something different. He didn't bring the right tools with him. Now he's going back home again, another hour and a half, and then again, an hour and a half to the job site. So we're burning four and a half hours in drive time just because we weren't prepared and we didn't properly understand what was going to be expected tomorrow. Those three all go hand in hand together, in my opinion. And it's it's definitely that in terms of the actual um, task management, it's that proactive approach. Now, it doesn't make sense to send somebody out there and hope that they get it done. We need to tell them what's expected so they can prepare the tools, prepare their vehicles, prepare materials maybe even beforehand, you know, before getting out on site out there. Yeah, that, those are all super critical. I mean, the, again, the inefficiencies, I would say that most contractors don't realize how much time they waste mm-hmm. on different tasks, right? Again, it goes back to that. I, I feel like I went to the store five times, but I went 25 times. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, it's not a big deal to load up my tools every morning and it's only a few minutes. It's only 10 minutes every morning. I load up my tools and go. It's like, yeah, but if you just bought a trailer mm-hmm. and put your tools in the trailer, like you would save 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon. That's 20 minutes a day of non-productive time that you're saving. Right. Like yeah, little things absolutely. like that. So I, I've been using Prodigal for, I think, a couple of years now. I, I, I was the guy that came from other softwares. I, I tried out several other softwares. I think you'll probably agree with this. Like even Prodigal, no one software will do 100% of what you need to do because everyone has unique processes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, one thing I loved about Prodigal, and even that you guys were a fairly newer company, like you haven't been around for 20 years, was that you? It was super easy, but you guys were very much on top of any feedback. You know, you're, you guys are proactively making changes on a on a daily basis. So that's important because I've worked, I've not worked, I've used other softwares, very large, mm-hmm. like very big players in the game, and the customer service on that. And you know, it, it does get harder when you have hundreds of thousands of users. It's harder mm-hmm. to you know provide that type of service, but. It's just, you guys are like a lot of value packed in a little nice little neat, you know, package. Yeah, so what, I appreciate that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, like you were saying with the, the checklist or the tasks, you know, I love the being able to turn off a little checklist. Like there's some psychological effects of that, mm-hmm. you know, versus just having a check, just having a list of things you need, mm-hmm. literally being able to check off that task, a toggle. I mean, little micro things like that, that really make all the difference in the software. Give us like the, the two minute elevator pitch on Prodigal and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are, of course, a construction management software. We focus on the small to medium sized contractors and construction companies. Generally, our customers are residential focused. I'd say 80% of them, 20% are commercial. You know, with Project, what we're focusing on doing is bringing everything all in one place. So we want to be managing your leads in Project, creating estimates for those leads. We have follow-up reminders to ensure that those leads are, you know, we're following up on them. We don't send an estimate and forget about it. We convert that estimate to an invoice for the deposit when the job is sold. And then that shifts over to the project management realm of things with the schedules and the time tracking and the project management, the photo and file management too. One thing that I think is is really important to be aware of is, like you said, I mean, no no one software has everything, but I think it's also important to note that different software is for different types of companies, right? I mean, Progel is best for a more traditional, if you will, company format where you have employees and there's tasks that are going out. That's where Project really shines. But if your company is more of like a contractor, like a GC, where we are gathering our subs together and issuing out our work orders, we're not a great solution for that yet. That's just not what we've built the company around. Um, There are other options on the market that are going to be there for home builders specifically who don't perform work in-house or commercial builders downtown that, again, really need a a huge set of tools that are interacting with all these different subs. But yeah, at the end of the day, we're we're kind of uh, unique in this market for the niche that we're serving, uh, which is definitely the small to medium size construction company or niche contractor. Yeah, I would would agree with everything you just said, 100%. Uh, Obviously, you didn't list all of the features that you guys have. Uh, I mean, there's everything from templates. You know, you can create a template of once you get kind of your entire process laid out, you can you can create a template of that, and then when you get, when you launch a new project, you just apply that template and all of your checklists and all that stuff's you know yeah. all there. So the templates are uh, huge, and a lot of that too comes from you know I used to watch our estimators poke through QuickBooks or even before that when we were just using uh, Google Docs to write up our estimates, falling asleep rewriting the same estimate for the fifth time that day. You know, how do we do that? How do we template it so we have a jumping off point, whether that's in estimates or projects or whatever? Let's be more efficient. Let's reuse the work that we've already done to save time and save money and get back home. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I love the fact that everything's connected. So like you said, the lead, the project, the estimate, the invoice, the pictures, Mm -hmm. everything is connected under that one project uh, or contact. And so, I mean, there's so much stuff in there. I, I've, I've been impressed with Project ever since I, I joined. I've implemented many other uh, project management softwares. I've looked at many others. I've probably spent, I don't know, close to 100 hours like analyzing and trying and you know, using it. And I've, I've, had, I've been very, very, very happy with, with Project. You guys' support is phenomenal. Uh, most of the time when I call in, I, I usually someone answers the phone and you know, the problem is taken care of. So nothing but good things to say about you guys. 
I know that I have a special deal with you guys on on uh, getting a, a discount if they sign up, and we'll put mm-hmm. links to that in the show notes. So I, I'm very grateful for that partnership that you and I have. Is there any parting thoughts that you would have for contractors that are, you know, looking to get into uh, switching from paper and pen to software, or maybe just looking for a better solution? Yeah, I mean. I'd say don't fear software. This is where the world is headed and has continued to head. Every industry is making record-breaking profits because they're leveraging software. And it's time that the construction industry really does that too. Times are probably going to be getting tough. (laughs) So whatever you can do to minimize your overhead right now, leveraging software. I'm not a big believer in you should be setting out for software to replace people's jobs, but you should be looking at software as, like you said in the beginning, how do we use software? If I'm in the office here, how can I use software to do the job of four people and do it efficiently and not hate my job, (laughs) right? So the accountability is going to be huge, uh, ensuring that nothing is slipping between the cracks, whether that's a brand new lead, whether that is job costing and identifying areas that we can squeeze more profit or maybe STEM losses even. All of this is going to be a very critical component in surviving whatever it is that's coming right now, you know, just like 2008. It's it's going to be tricky and software is going to help. It can help, but you got to set aside the time. You got to make it happen. You got to learn it. And it's going to help you stand out from your competitors. And maybe it may even cause you to be one of the only ones left standing too, you know, of, of your competition, potentially, depending on how bad things get. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a podcast on, 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 are you ready for the downturn? And I don't really like to like, I don't either. Yeah. But it's, it is a real, it's a reality, right? Like it you is. Have to at least address it for a minute. But one thing I would say to this is if you're going from pen and paper to software, it is going to be an increase in your overhead, right? If mm-hmm. you're already using software and you're switching softwares, it's probably not going to be that much of a difference. But you have to look at, this is not an expense per se. This is a tool, right? Mm-hmm. It's no different than a hammer or a, you know, a saw that you have. This is a tool that will actually make you more money. Right. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but if there's a downturn and I have to pay, you know, several hundred dollars or a couple hundred dollars or whatever it is for software, that's more expenses. I mean, it is you're paying more out, but you're actually going to end up making more money on the back end because it's the return on your investment. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's an investment. It's not a it's not a uh, an expense. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I I get a lot of pushback from people. They have no problem dropping a thousand dollars a month on an eighty thousand dollar truck, mm-hmm. right? That really just makes them look cool. But, you know, if they got to spend 200 bucks or 300 bucks or 500 bucks or 800 bucks on a piece of software or equipment that's going to make their business more money, then they can't afford to do that. Right. I mean, if, if that software is the right fit for them, I mean, whatever it is they're spending almost almost becomes like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you're spending, because if for every dollar I'm spending, I'm making five more. And that yeah. software is facilitating that just like our marketing dollars. Um, yep. it's, that, it's that return. If we're seeing a return. It's a smart idea, and the the cost on, almost becomes irrelevant. Um, but if it's not the right fit, then you're not going to be seeing the ROI. And in which case, maybe it's time to start looking for something different too. Absolutely, it doesn't matter if it costs five grand a month. If, right. if you spend five grand and it, and you make six thousand, you came out ahead, right? Yep. And it saved you tons of time. Like that's a you won. Yep. Right. So 
Absolutely. Well, well Stephen, I appreciate you being on here. How? What's the easiest way? I have a link in the in the in the show notes for the special discount. But if people want to find out just where you're at, or how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, check out our website, Prodigal.com. Uh, we've got phone numbers on there too. So if anybody wants to call in and actually talk to somebody, um, we're really big on that. Now that kind of comes from our construction roots of I've got five minutes in between deliveries or whatever it may be. And I want to talk to somebody we staff appropriately. So if you want to poke through the website, learn more about us, you're welcome to do that. You can check out our YouTube channel um, or again, give us a call. We'll be happy to talk you through any questions you may have. Yeah. And that's, if you're listening and you don't see the notes, it's Prodjul, P-R-O-J-U-L.com, P-R-O-J-U-L.com. Last question I always like to ask all my guests, Stefan, is what book are you reading or one that you recommend? Um, I like the Lean Startup. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my recommendation. I always try and keep a real lean mindset, you know, minimizing everything across the board and maximizing, you know, efficiencies. Yeah, great book. Are you familiar with Paul Akers and Two Second Lean and Fast Cap? You know, I was a long time ago. I read those books. It's It's been a couple of years, but yeah. Yeah, I really like his approach. He's taking that down and, you know, taking it down to two seconds, like make two second improvements, like yeah. clean everything out. And eventually after you make so many two second improvements, you'll mm-hmm. make, it'll save you thousands of hours. Yeah. Two so. second improvements, 1% growth a week, you know. Yeah. What what kind of shifts these those micro adjustments you can make that by the end of the year you're just in a totally different place than you were just 365 days ago? Absolutely, and if you if you get a uh, a software like Prodigal and you start implementing these you know these templates and uh, documenting different processes and stuff, that's even going to be you're going to be doing way way better than two second improvements. So yeah, <laughs> Stephen, I appreciate you being on the on the show today and all of your insight. And uh, I appreciate our relationship that that we have. And so I look forward to uh, doing more stuff together. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brad. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, guys, you know um, where we're at. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Uh, I'm hot on TikTok right now. We got Discord channel. Go check that out. We got lots of behind the scenes, top secret information that I'm putting out on, on Discord. So we're trying to build that up. And we got our free Facebook group. Of course, if you want help with your business, please reach out to me. Uh, The Profit Club was created for contractors to help you in your business. So until next time, guys, you know what to do. Be the best version of you. 